Philippians, um, Paul's letter that he wrote to the church at Philippi, chapter 1, is where we want to focus for a few uh, minutes this morning. Philippians chapter 1, we're going to read verses 2 through verse 11 as we kind of just have a, a Sunday, which I think we need periodically as far as where we're going as a church, where we keep our focus, the necessity and importance of keeping our focus. I want you to think about some of the update Bill just gave and and think about the fact that we have carefully, carefully made plans. We have drawn up plans. We have, over a long period of time, listened to many people. We have had uh, meetings with ministry leaders as far as what this building is going to, to need in order to be effective. And as you all are well aware, we have prayed a lot, and it is, it is really neat to see as this develops. We will have a sanctuary where we don't have to, to worship separately. We can, we can be one body together, a sanctuary, Lord willing, that one day uh, it, is, it is equipped to seat um, in the future over 750 people in one place right here in Lock Haven. Sunday school rooms, I, I think it's somewhere around that 16, 17 various sizes of Sunday school rooms. We have a, a cafe and a common area to sit by a fireplace uh, just to enjoy fellowship together. We have a, a nursery. Um, we have a, I learned as well, we have a crying room. I wasn't exactly sure. I thought a crying room was specifically designed for me, when I preach a really bad message, you just go into this crying room. I thought that was a perfect idea. Thank you so much for considering. It's really not. It's for babies and, and little ones as they're crying that mama can take them off the side of the sanctuary. And, and there's a crying room designed. There's enough parking spaces so we don't have to irritate our neighbors every single Sunday. There's plenty of bathrooms that you don't have to be waiting in line. And, and offices, Pastor Stewart's finally going to get an office. All of that, and, and God has provided this in an amazing, amazing location. Very, very visible. What's interesting is this, is, and, and I have said this, when asked the question without thought, I give a very quick response that, yes, we are building a church. People are asking the community, yeah, and I'll tell them, we're building a church. If I don't think about it, that's my response. I, I want to make a correction. I want to confess that I've made that mistake. I can't make that mistake any longer, that together we have to understand we are not building a church, okay? Remember that. Somebody asks you a question, like, what's happening? Over we are not building a church. We are building a building that is simply what a tool. We're renovating a warehouse into a worship center that God himself is the one who builds the church. And the church is what? The church is a gathering Together of redeemed people. You and I can't, we can't build that. We have the privilege of working inside the context of the local church. But God has simply called us to fulfill a task in a very important, in a very, very important time. In an amazing community that we have all been called and privileged and blessed to live in. 
Let me retell some of the story. Do you realize it was back in 2013? That's, that's over four years ago now. The elders gathered together. The Hayfleys were gracious enough to loan us their cabin up in the woods. And we locked ourselves in that cabin for the weekend. And we prayed. And we literally just prayed, God, speak to us and just direct us as elders of this body. What do you want us to do over the years to come? And from that weekend in 2013 was birthed what we refer to as Vision 2020. We build relationships. Focus on relationships. We build relationships so that God is glorified and lives, homes, and families are transformed, literally changed dramatically. How are they changed? Not through your word or my word. Changed through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let me report to you that 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 began back then and it continues to happen this week alone. This week alone, I received an email. I was pulled aside at our home group. Someone, someone stopped me at church, and every single time, people said exactly the same thing. Pastor, will you pray for me? I'm building a relationship with my neighbor. We're in a swim class together. Pray, pray for me. I'm, I'm walking every single day with a friend of mine. Pray for me as I'm, I'm, I'm baking a pie. We're going to take them over. We're going to meet our new neighbors. All week long, we establish relationships we are committing ourselves as a church to, to share and to speak the gospel for the glory of God. You realize just as we like scribbled, scribbled um, notes and plans on a, on a rough piece of paper that God too has a plan. Do you realize that? That God has a blueprint on how this whole gospel is to be disseminated throughout the rest of the world and, and propagated through the lost. It's never going to happen through one voice. That is not God's plan. It was going to happen through many, many people. And we see this after what? After the birth, Jesus, we get ready to celebrate that. The, the life, the ministry, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus. It's all recorded in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. What happened is that there were, there were many voices together. We know the story that the Gospels end and Acts opens up in Acts chapter 1 and Jesus ascends, he commissions and he sends, he says, you're going to be witnesses. He ascends to heaven and the first response, what, is that there's somebody standing there and says, why are you guys standing looking here? Why are you standing around? First response. So what happened with that first group of believers, about 120 of them, they go to the upper room and in, in Jerusalem, in Acts chapter 2, we know the Holy Spirit descends. And what? There's an explosion of the good news of Jesus Christ. We know in Acts chapter 9 that, that God chose and spoke and called to a particular man. His name was Paul. And it's his ministry that we are getting a glimpse of today in Philippians chapter 1. Let me, let me pick it up in verse 2 and, and just, just give you a glimpse very briefly of how God's blueprint and God's plan and God's design is for us as a local church of how, and, and how we're to function. Philippians chapter 1 verse 2, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I, I thank my God. Paul is writing to these dear friends, fellow believers, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you always in every prayer of mine for you all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel. 
from the first day until now, and I, I am sure, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It, it is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart. For you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and the praise of God. Oh, what a, what a glimpse we get here of what the church looks like, how, how we're supposed to function. In this letter that Paul, the Apostle Paul is writing, he's writing it from prison, probably in Rome, which is about 62 AD, about two to three years before he is executed for following and teaching Jesus. In this, in, this, in this imprisonment, he's expressing, he's writing a letter expressing love for this church, this body of believers. He expresses grace and peace. He says he writes it with joy in his heart. He expresses as well his commitment to pray for this body of believers in the city of Philippi, a church that, believe it or not, is the very first church that Paul ever planted. No doubt there is a special and a close relationship. What Paul does very specifically is he thanks the Lord for their faithfulness in ministry, in the work of the ministry, but he also encourages them. His focus is on the Lord first and foremost. Thank you, Lord, for them. But then he encourages them, and he encourages them what? By writing that he is confident of something. I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will complete it. I asked myself this question this week in preparation. Why is he so confident? Like, how does he know that? I'm confident. God began a good work and he's going to finish it. Why is he so confident? Why can he actually say in verse 7, it's right for me to feel this way? He's in a sense reemphasizing it. Why? couple phrases that jump to the surface because together, it says together, we are what? All partakers of grace. You're partakers with me, Paul says. He understands grace. Then he makes reference earlier to a term that was used and he says this, because of your partnership in the gospel. And there's the phrase. That word partnership is an interesting word. Interesting because we usually hear it translated. We know it. We know that word. It's just we know it in another context or setting. That word partnership is the word koinonia in Greek, which is the word that we use for fellowship or sweetness, closeness, intimacy. It literally means because of your close mutual association, because of your participation with me, because we are sharing together in the ministry of the gospel. We're not just receiving the blessings of the gospel, but we are sharing in the responsibility of the gospel. That's what Paul says here. And I oftentimes ask myself, how close? Like, Lord, please reveal to us, how, how, how are we doing? Like, like this church right here, Pig Woods in the middle of central Pennsylvania. This day, 
few snow flurries out there. We just ordered a few snow flurries. We didn't want to like slow you down today, but just, just a few snow flurries the season. How are we doing 21st century in comparison to, to a description like this of, of first century ministry? It's bold, it's fresh. How are we doing? Listening to the testimony this week of a pastor who was preaching in New England just recently. And he used this description. He was preaching to his church and he says this. He said, you are here to get your jersey dirty. And he said this, if you don't want to get dirt on your jersey, then you probably don't want to be in this church. And I was like, preach it, brother, go. That's, that's good theology. That's good teaching. You, you realize that's kind of the description of what it means to be what? One who participates, one who is a partner alongside of one another for the work of the ministry. That small group, about 120, they believe in Acts chapter 2, was birthed into a movement by the 2nd and 3rd century that they estimate, what, 40 to 50% of the Roman Empire were following the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because there was, there was a body of believers who were completely, completely sold out. I'd love to study the names of, of the church, of, of you and I. It calls what throughout the pages of scripture that we are God's building. In that need, as we're, we're building a building, in a sense, God refers to us as his building. We, we're referred to as God's temple. We refer to the church as referred to as God's household, God's field. We are God's workmanship. We are the body of Christ. We are the bride of Christ. The church of Jesus Christ is the salt of the earth, is the light of the world. We are referred to as a holy nation. Boy, that's a reminder of how we ought to be careful with how we're living our lives. A holy priesthood. The church is called what? Partakers of the promise of God. We are partakers of Christ. We are servants of Christ. We are followers of Christ. We are children of God. We are children of the promise. We are witnesses and believers. We are Christians. We are ones like Christ. People wonder today and they're depressed or they're discouraged. Like, like, I don't know what to do with my life. and I have no direction. I have no purpose. I have no answers. Why? Because the answer is found here. As ones who live every day with purpose. We are in a unique, unique position. At a unique time, we have a unique calling. We know that when we are called to follow Christ, it means what? We literally are saying we are not going to follow the world. Do you realize that? Do you realize that if you're going to follow Christ then you cannot follow the world. If you're going to choose to love God, then you're also choosing what? I can't love the world, the things that are in this world. That doesn't mean that you can what? Just kind of walk the line there. There's no middle ground here. You accept or you reject. You are in or you are out. You are hot or you are cold. Those last words, right before Jesus ascended, Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will be witnesses. In Jerusalem right here, Judea, Samaria, the other most parts of the world, you will do that. Matthew 28, it says what? It says that you are to go into all of the world 
to make disciples. It's a very, very clear. I don't know about you, but at times I need to like pull in the reins and say, what are we doing? Why are we here? How do we do this? The first century church moved and lived amongst and they shared and they sacrificed everything for one another. They live speaking about Christ and the cross and his coming. Constant, constant, constant outward focus. And then by the time you get to the 21st century, drive, drive any direction, drive anywhere, and you will see churches that are, that are boarding their windows up and are shutting down and closing. Because they became, they became inward focused. It was all about the bell choir. Or, or the, the bell tower. It's about the windows and it's about the, the right seating and about this. And, and it was all inward focused. How I love, how I love this church right here and what God is doing. But I want to make sure that we do it according to his plan. His plan, not ours. Okay, we're, we're here to fulfill his purpose, not, not, not a guy's agenda. I can die tomorrow. What is that going to look like? I know our time is quickly escaping. I have seven points for this morning's message, but watch this. This is quick. We're going to race down through this, okay? We're going to, in a sense, if we're going to fulfill God's plan, this is what we're going to make sure happens. If any of these things lack, okay, then find another church. We, we, we remove any one of these, then, then you should not be part of this church because then this church is not fulfilling what God's perfect plan is, not living in according to the word. How can we fulfill God's perfect plan? Number one, through faithful expositional preaching. Okay? It will remain as long as I am here preaching that exposes the meaning of God's word to God's people. You ever want a definition of what is expositional preaching? It means line by line. It means verse by verse, explaining, teaching, applying the gospel. Holy God, sinful man, a great chasm between the two. And the only way that that can ever be reconciled is accepting, acknowledging the work, the complete work, crucifixion, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to fulfill God's plan. We better make sure that we have preaching. It says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If you hear anything less, then find another church. Number two, we are committed what? We're going to fulfill God's plan through prayer. Prayer. It, it, it should be regularly, it should be prayers of confession. Maybe in small group settings, maybe one-on-one. Maybe meeting together, maybe gathering a brother alongside and just saying, I need to just confess this. And, and I, we need to pray. You need to pray with me. Prayers of confession, prayers of praise and worship. Prayers of thanks and thanksgiving. Prayers of, of supplication. Lord, I have this burden on my heart and, and I need to lay this at your feet. I am so excited and I'm glad to announce that beginning in January, there will be 10 consecutive weeks at the time in between the two services, the Sunday school hour, where every single one of the 10 elders, the elders and pastors, are going to be teaching a series specifically on prayer because it has to happen and it will continue to happen if we are to fulfill God's perfect plan for this church. The third thing we need is evangelism and discipleship. Evangelism and discipleship, they go hand in hand. They work together. 
We are to be marked by a commitment to share the good news of Jesus Christ with other people. If you think for a moment that you can kind of hold and hoard this message and it's not a responsibility on your part to tell others, then what? Then, then you're not willing to get dirt on your jersey and you might as well stay home. That's really what we're talking about. Discipleship is what? Pouring into finding someone. It, it, it does not have to be, okay, line by line, verse by verse, as far as fill in the blank when it comes to discipleship program. It's literally what you follow me as I follow Jesus. One of the greatest, most simple, accurate definitions of discipleship. You follow me as I follow Jesus. Watch this. Listen to this. I'm going to mess it up sometimes, but I'm going to ask for confession and repent from that, and we're going to learn and grow together. That's what discipleship is. The fourth thing that we are committed to will continue to happen is what is missions. We're going to be focused. We're going to fulfill God's plan, which means we're going to be focused on missions, whether or not it's locally, literally across the street, or if it's globally across the globe, the world. We're committed to do one of two things. Either you're committed to go and we'll help you, send you, or you are committed to give. And they're the only two options you have when it comes to the missions. I understand fully with the son living on the mission field. I understand fully the amount of sacrifice that not every single person is called to go. But if we're not called to go there, out there, then we are certainly called to give to support those who have gone. Seth oftentimes reminds me about those that hold the, hold the rope, hold tight as one goes and lowers himself into the well. That's what missions is. We're going to fulfill God's perfect plan. We're going to make a commitment to church membership as well as church discipline. Church membership and church discipline. Faithfulness to one another. Faithfulness by way of a willingness to make a commitment to one another and that in a sense what church membership is and we know that church discipline is an openness to be held accountable to one another. And we see that in Matthew chapter 18. That's how we function. Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, talk about the fact that we, we do this together. That if you want to kind of wander out there on your own and jump from church to church, it's dangerous. Who's going to hold you accountable? How, how do we know that there's a sense of commitment there? If we neglect that, then we have absolutely no guarantee. We can lose effectiveness. The, the, the light goes what? Dim. The salt loses its savor. Number six, we have to commit, if we're going to have a church that's fulfilling God's plan, to leadership. That's the elders and the pastors equipping the church to serve. Biblically qualified elders. That's men that are willing to lead and to shepherd. We will meet regularly every other Wednesday. And we will pray specifically for the needs within the body. And we will regularly remind ourselves about what? The qualifications that are spelled out in Scripture in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and Titus chapter 1. And we'll ask ourselves, are we fulfilling these? Are we the men of God that we should be? 
Why? Because there's a responsibility that every single one of you, you don't get a free pass on this, every single one of you are to be maturing in your faith. It should be normal. It's normal for a Christian to be growing in Christ because they are connected and committed to the local church's ministry to their life. It's a normal thing. It's not abnormal. We all should be growing as a result of those who are willing to teach. I just love, I get a chance to teach just shortly here on the series that the elders have been doing on the armor of God. So important when it comes to spiritual warfare, understanding that, being armored up. I've learned so much from my brothers. I, 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 I depend and I thank the Lord for the good and godly men that have been called to lead this church. Pray for them. Pray for them. Pray for their wives and their marriages and their families. The seventh and last thing that we need to be committed to if we're going to fulfill God's perfect plan for this church is sacrificial giving. God calls us to do this. I love when Pastor Aaron prays every single Sunday before the offering that we would give cheerfully. Don't give out of a sense of compulsion. Don't give reluctantly. We give cheerfully. Bill stood up and gave an update. Um, We have been praying. There are some big hurdles and God has provided, why? Through the sacrificial giving of this body. I commend you and I thank the Lord for you. And we need to continually thank the Lord. We think oftentimes that what? We just need to hold and hoard for the rainy day just in case. There is nothing, there is nothing better than offering up and investing into eternity in the kingdom of God. We must make sure that Bigwood stays focused on what? The, the, the call to evangelize, the call to discipleship, the call to be held accountable, the, the call to pray together and learn and grow and give and nothing, nothing, nothing can or will distract us from that. Even as we have this exciting chapter that we can renovate an old warehouse into a worship center, why? for one purpose, as an effective tool for the gospel of Jesus Christ. May we be reminded, don't ever, ever, ever say that we are building a building. Excuse me, that we are building a church. We're building a building and God builds the church and we have the wonderful privilege of being part of God's plan in this community. May the Lord bless you. May we together be faithful and obedient and following him in this hour. Father, we love you and we thank you, Lord, for the reminder of who we are, what we're called to do. Father, we thank you for watching over us. We pray, Lord, for continued wisdom as we lean into you and listen for you to direct us and steer us. Please, Lord, allow us to be obedient to your will, to fulfill your plan, not ours. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand with us, please, as we close.